1: I love that you brought a guitar to this. I I
0: bring a guitar everywhere. Really? God forbid I should have like five minutes idle where like I can't play a guitar. Do you
1: ever go like in the subway and put your hat out?
0: I do play on the subway, but I'm actually riding the subway. And if there's any room for me to play guitar, I'll just play guitar. But I don't put a hat out. I play outside all the time. I play like in front of my building, just I bring a stool out. In the last couple of years since I've just been sitting in front of the building playing, now I'm the guitar guy. And everybody, you know what I mean? Everybody on the block, like, everybody on the block just, like, smiles and waves and stuff like that. It's that really is funny. awesome.
1: Well, so I guess that's a tip. If you want a free concert, hang out on the New York go, City subway. Yeah,
0: just go by Chris's house.
1: You are an illustrious musician, uh, but we're actually not here to talk about your music career. We're here to talk about something else that you are known for. Chris Barron, do you know what we're here to talk about? We're
0: here to talk about the most important thing in the world. Which is? Cats.
1: Let's talk about Cats. Cats. Let's talk, about cats. Cats. Let's talk about cats! Let's talk about cats! So, of course, this is another episode of Let's Talk About Cats. I'm noted cat lady Mary Phillips Sandy. My cat is Grendel. <laughs> And my guest today, your music has been in my ears since uh, a very awkward time in my life. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Of course, this is Chris Barron, uh, Spin Doctors. And of course, he has a great solo record out that came out last year called Angels and One-Armed Jugglers. And it's a really interesting, weird, and I mean that in a good way, album. But more importantly, you have two cats, and their names are Marley... And Ruthie Toots. Yes. And we're going to talk a lot more about them and your relationship with them. But for now, how we start the show is a five-word memoir.
0: It's okay that I, I wrote this ahead of time, right? Many so, people do. Yeah, Marley, yeah. our eldest, is um, stray, scaredy cat, safe, sweet, buddy. Beautiful. And Ruthie Toots is Gus died, enter Ruthie Toots.
1: Dramatic. <laughs> Dramatic. Okay. So that's a cliffhanger. Right now it is time for a segment that we call the cat quiz. Okay. Now the cat quiz involves five questions that I'm going to ask you. There is no time limit, but we do expect you to answer quickly. I don't know is never an acceptable answer. It's okay to not know, but you can't say I don't know. So
0: I can prognosticate or just, like, make something Absolutely. up? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. We, we encourage that. Okay, um, and there is a prize at stake. Okay, cool. This may be news to some of your fans, but before you became a musician, you studied ceramics at Bennington College. That is correct. And I have seen that you have occasionally tweeted about vases or vases if you're, <laughs> yeah. So, Chris Barron, how much do you know about cats and ceramics? You ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Question number one, of course, one of the most iconic pottery moments in pop culture is that scene in Ghost, you know the one. Which star of the movie Ghost once made headlines by bringing a stray kitten to an Art Basel dinner in Miami?
0: Um, Demi Moore.
1: You are correct. Question number two, the world's oldest form of glazed ceramics is Egyptian faience. In addition to making ceramics, of course, the Egyptians were famously into cats. Which Egyptian goddess was depicted as a cat?
0: Uh, Myrna Loy.
1: So close. The answer is Bastet.
0: Mm-hmm. I see there's resemblance, was my second though. guess. We'll yeah. give you half a point. Okay, okay.
1: question number three. <laughs> Japan's Maneki Neko, or Lucky Cat, is a popular ceramic figurine of a cat with one paw raised facing outwards. In the West, it is also called a waving cat. But this is a misnomer because the Maneki Neko is actually doing what?
0: Signaling the uh, the class revolution.
1: You know what, we'll give you half a point for that too. It's actually beckoning or welcoming good luck in, because this gesture in Japan means come in.
0: Now that you say that, I knew that, but. There's so much pressure. And it's
1: only getting more heated because we're up to question number four. Clay. It's not just for pottery. It's also for cat poop. In what year was clay kitty litter invented?
0: 1492.
1: I can't give it to you. The answer is 1947.
0: Oh, it's the same numbers, just in a different order. Different order.
1: order. Well, before that, people just let their cats poop on sand, which seems like it would track throughout the house. So uh, Mm. very glad that that was invented. All right, final question. You're doing great.
0: Doing great. Thank you.
1: (laughs) People in Yunnan Province, China, have a unique tradition of placing ceramic cats where to guard their homes from evil spirits?
0: By the door. Mm. By the fireplace.
1: On a technicality, I'll give it to you because the answer is on the roof. It is a dying art in southwest China. Really? Yeah, I really, really want to somehow go to Yunnan province and get myself one.
0: Oh, man. Well, if I'm ever there, I'll pick you one up. I'm sort of surprised that there aren't cat freaks everywhere with cats on their roof. Well,
1: can I tell you something? You win the cat quiz... I win. <laughs> for the listening audience, can you tell people what I am handing you under the bubble wrap?
0: Oh my goodness, this is really beautiful. It's a cat figure in ceramics. It's handmade. I don't
1: know if you can 1991. see it. Nineteen ninety one. Nineteen ninety one. A year that might have some significance for you. I thought that's
0: um, the year that I was on the road all year that year.
1: Pocket full of kryptonite came out. Oh, pocket
0: full of kryptonite. Yeah, Did we you, made pocket full of kryptonite. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do remember. I, you know, I was pretty. <laughs> I was pretty high back then, but I remember making our first record. Well, that so, much I remember. So
1: now you have your very own ceramic. This cat. is
0: beautiful. My wife is gonna love this. Actually.
1: I'm so glad.
0: And she's gonna love that I won it.
1: Better than any award you could possibly get, right? This is
0: the best award I've ever won. Actually, <laughs> I don't win a lot of awards.
1: Well, you did today at the Let's Talk About Cats. Feeling cat really quiz.
0: good about this. Actually.
1: Fantastic. A segment that we call the Hot Topic Debate, where my guest and I resolve a divisive feline issue once and for all. Whatever we decide stands forever. Mm, Good. Today's question is What is the best song ever written about a cat? And I want to caveat that by saying we are not counting the theme song to this show by my friend Poingley. It's an incredible song about cats. And of course, you also wrote the great song Cleopatra's Cat. As soon as I thought of this question, I thought of my answer and I'd like to share it with you. Okay, yeah. And this again kind of goes back to my childhood. Black Cat by Janet Jackson from the Rhythm Nation album. It was the first song that she wrote completely by herself and Mm -hmm. co-produced. She was sort of in this pop machine and she comes out with this hard rock song. Mm -hmm. And if you've seen the music video, her face kind of morphs into this roaring Black Panther. There's an actual snarling effect. (laughs) You know, a lot of music videos that were on MTV and whatever it was, 1990, uh, did not make you feel great about yourself as a young girl. Seeing Janet Jackson owning that stage, fearless, ferocious, having a great time, And she had this great quote about that song. She told Jet Magazine, I've always felt some kind of connection between myself and a panther. They're not afraid of anything. They're willing to take on anything. And that's the way I feel about my work. Not only is it an incredibly catchy rockin' song, I just remember sitting on my parents' living room floor on the shy carpet being like, fuck, she's cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it was sort of a, a way for her to take control in a world that wanted to take it away from her and decide yeah. who she was going to be and what it was going to look like. I don't know. To me, that song comes out really cool no matter how you look at it.
0: That song didn't even occur to me, and you make a very, very strong case. I'm actually sort of embarrassed by the salacious and trite nature of my choices. Like, I knew this was going to be a discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have two songs that oh, I great. really like that's about excellent. cats. Oh, great, that's Yeah, um, yeah, let's hear it. First one is a bit more obscure. It's from Muddy Waters' album that he made with um, Johnny Winter in the early 70s. Um, it's called Cross-Eyed Cat. Okay. It's about a guy who's sort of emasculated by his girlfriend's cat. You know? And the cat's just like, totally dominating the household and, like, biting him and, like, it ends up with the cat just like went in the corner and licked his balls, you know, and like, <laughs> and he's basically like, I'm I'm in love with this woman, but I gotta I gotta leave her alone because the cat is like <laughs> taking over the house, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. That sounds that sounds like a thing that maybe happened to Muddy Waters. It and sounds it's very personal. It's a,
0: and it's a pithy, it's a pithy and like vivid and real description of like of like a cat like it's not like he's just making up some cutesy thing right it's like you know that actually happened to him (laughs) like this is a man who has observed you know a real cat yeah and is is putting that into song the other song i was going to mention there's a bit of a parallel between your experience and my experience being like a kid in the 80s and um there was a lot of cheesy pop going on not that i had anything against that but along came um the stray cats and they had like stray cat strut.
1: Yes. Yes. And it
0: was all part of this like rockabilly revival. Mm-hmm. And um I've been taking guitar lessons since I was a kid and stuff like that but all of a sudden like this guy John Popper, world famous virtuoso harmonica player singer of the Blues Traveler, was I went to high school with him. And um I was like, "John, you play the blues, right?" And I was like 14, 13, 14, 15. He's like, "Yeah." I'm like so that's where rock and roll comes from. And he's was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, he kind of got me started like getting into the blues. So when, when the Stray Cats like came around, you know, I could hear that the scales and the song forms were based on these blues forms that I was really interested in. And it was this modern take on this 50s conception of cool, like jeans with a cuff and a bandana in your back pocket. And I don't know, it was like, a light in the darkness of cool, you know. But I think a lot more people got a lot more out of your song than... <laughs>
1: I, th- I think, you know what, though? I No, I think what has happened is that we have identified the three best songs ever written about cats, uh, aside from the one you wrote and the one that my friend finally wrote for this show. <laughs> so that's five of the best songs ever written about cats. and um, It's an
0: embarrassment of riches. It is
1: so much. And you, we'll, we'll put a playlist together or something. We'll do it on the website so that people can listen because they need to experience what we have experienced.
0: Yeah, they do. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: It is now time for The Real Reason We Are Here. Of course, let's talk about your cats. Uh, How did you meet Marley and Ruthie Toots?
0: When we got together, Lindsay had this cat, Gus, my wife and I, Lindsay Nicole Chambers. And he was about a year and a half old. And she got him because she was in the Broadway musical Legally Blonde. Oh, okay, yeah. They would all go to this one deli that was out on the corner, and there were, like, these kittens, like, deli kittens. And they kept being like, what happened to the other kitten? And um, they'd be like, oh, he's somewhere around here somewhere. And then, like, one of the castmates went out, and, like, Gus, the latest deli kitten, was out, like, on Broadway, like... Underneath a car, like, oh, they're all getting hit by cars, you know? Oh, my God. So she just took Gus, um, who didn't have a name at that time, and brought him back to the theater and was like, anybody want a cat? And Lindsay, my wife, was like, yeah, I'll have a cat. <laughs> and um, somebody was like, you might want to get another cat, you know, to keep him company. Sure. Enter Marley, right? And Marley Marley had been found in an um, abandoned building up in the Bronx. So um, he had been, like, eating garbage and stuff like that. And the two of them became like pretty good buddies like not they're not like the kind of cats that are all over each other all the time but they were usually within a few feet of each other and, and um Gus died a year ago on September 19th on talk like a pirate day so oh that day is never going to quite be as fun for yeah. me ever tinged again tinged with sadness <laughs> tinged, i'm so sorry yeah. and um you died really suddenly. I came home, and he was obviously oh. in tremendous distress. And the veterinarian was like, we got to put him to sleep. Oh. So I went from having a cat to, like, just holding my deceased cat in my arms, like, 45 minutes later. Yeah. And then I just kind of was just numb. And then I walked out on the street, and I got on Ninth Avenue, and I just started bawling. Like, just ugly crying, snot, tear crying, like, walking up Ninth Avenue. I couldn't bear to like go into the subway or get in a cab. Like I didn't know what to do. So I just walked 50 blocks up Ninth Avenue like crying the whole way. And y- your listeners can probably imagine New York City is kind of a great place to do that because like nobody cares. Nobody I could hear cares. I could yeah. hear people's conversations like not changing like as I walked by. <laughs> yep. I'm standing at a light next to people just crying like crying. like, <laughs> And like people, nobody's saying anything to me. And I get home, and Marley was like really out of his mind. Because when I got home, and Gus was on the floor in the bathroom, you know, like not doing well. Marley was just like looking up at me, like meowing, like take him, get fix him, help him,
1: fix it. Yeah. And
0: I got home, and he was like, "Where is he?" You know. And I was like, "He's gone, buddy." And the next day, like he was just, every time he saw me, he was like, Where's Gus? Like, meowing, like, Is Gus okay? Where is he? I don't understand. I was like, Dude, he's gone. So I talked to my wife, who was um, finishing up a show out of town. I was like, We got to get another cat, like, now. Marley is just so distressed, and it's, I can't watch it. It's horrible. And she was like, honey, relax, you know, because I'm the more impulsive of the two of us. And she got home like some days later and was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm never going to doubt you again. Like, he is so messed up. And within like two days, we found Ruth. So my wife was thinking, Marley and then Toots and the Maytals. Sure. And I was like, Ruth. We were like, hmm. And then one of us was like, Ruthie Toots?
1: It's a great name. I want to talk about something that happened to you in 2016, uh, which was your second bout of vocal cord paralysis. Yeah, yeah. And that had happened to you once previously in 1999 when I assume you did not have any cats. But going through it a second time, which I i looked this up, I guess it's not supposed to happen more than once. To be, it's, it's very, very rare. It's very, very rare. So you had really, really, really bad luck. How did your cats help you get through what must have been an incredibly frustrating, disorienting uh, God, time? you know...
0: I'm really glad you asked that question because I hadn't really thought of this, but what happened was I I had a paralyzed vocal cord, you know, my right vocal cord. The first time this happened to me, like around the turn of the century, um, they hadn't perfected this technique. An injection of saline solution into the paralyzed vocal cord that moves it over Mm. so that the vocal cords can... can can have contact, and that's how you create the sound. Okay. So I went, and I, within like 48 hours of losing my voice, like I had done this injection, and I came home, and I was really groggy. It was that moment where the emergency's over, and you're you're like, now I have a 50-50 chance of getting my voice back. It could take as long as a year. So it's like no work for a year, no income for a year. And I laid on the couch, and like, I was just... Beaten, You know what I mean? Like, for a moment, I was like, I'm down. That's it. I'm down. Eight count. And um, I'm on the couch for, like, three minutes. Marley comes, and he lays down on my throat, on the right side, the side that's paralyzed, and he just starts purring. And I I was like, there's other shit in the world besides singing. I hope I get to sing again, because it's really important (laughs) to me. But I got a cat who loves me. I got a wife who loves me. I got a kid who loves me. I got a place to live. And I'll figure it out. It won't be won't be the end of the world.
1: And then you got your voice back.
0: I did. But the funny thing is um, that my vocal cord never fully recovered. You know, my speaking voice came back. I did a solo gig. I did a spin doctor's gig. My doctor was like, your vocal cord is still largely immobile. And I was like, well, then how am I doing this? And he's like, it appears that you have learned how to brace the musculature around the vocal cord so that the other vocal cord can come over and meet it. So I'm basically singing with one vocal cord. Like Angels and one arm Jugglers is actually like, that's the title of my new solo record. It's a song I wrote before this ever happened to me because I just thought the idea of a one-armed juggler was, like, a cool image. Oh, but now that's you. And then I'm sitting in the studio, (laughs) yeah, I'm sitting in the studio, and we're, like, months into the project, and I'm like, angels are one-armed jugglers. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm the one-armed juggler.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, you are. Do you feel a responsibility as an artist and as a cat dad? And are they the same or different?
0: I mean, in a word... Yes, like, the reason I'm on your show probably is that um, one Saturday several years ago, I had this great picture of my cat, Gus, and I was like, I need a hashtag for this. So, you know, you you just do, like, cat... A, and it suggests, you know, I went uh, right. cat B, and it suggests, I got all the way down to cat U. I got all the way to, that's how obsessive <laughs> I am, you know? Uh-huh, I got all the uh-huh. way down to U, and it's caturday, and it happened to be a Saturday. Sure. And I was like, oh my god, this is meant to be. So I just post this picture of Gus with the hashtag caturday, and like 70 or 100 people replied with pictures of their cats, which I promptly retweeted. So now every Saturday. Like, it's kind of like my job. Like, all day, <laughs> I was just gonna I'm just retweeting. Like, I retweet, like, probably a couple hundred pictures of cats yeah, all but day.
1: Your cat social skills are, are just on point.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's fun. And and in the meantime, there was a musical artist who suffered a brain injury. And she was talking on NPR about this whole regime that she had to get better. And one of the things that her neurologist recommended was looking at pictures of cute animals because it actually releases endorphins in your brain. It's like stimulating in this very healthy way. So you're you're talking about the responsibility that you feel as an artist. And I can't remember the philosopher that said this, but there's like a, you know, an 18th century philosopher who said that, and I'm paraphrasing, but a philosophy that doesn't offer consolation is not really worth very much. So, you know, we came up in this time where our music was contrasted a lot with, with grunge music. And, um, you know, I grew up in a in like a a nightmare of a household and and like, you know, I had a stepmom who like murder was on the table and getting thrown out of the house and being homeless was on the table. And My brother kept a machete under his bed and, you know, she'd kick my door down at four o'clock in the morning and like scream at me until like I thought a vein was going to pop in her eye. And I don't think I had it any better than like, you know, a lot of these grunge guys, you know, did growing up. And if you listen to Pocket Full of Kryptonite, the whole record, you got Little Miss Can't Be Wrong and Two Princes, which are songs with kind of sad lyrics. Yeah. With happy <laughs> very music. Very yes. With happy music. But I always felt that it doesn't take very much um, acuity to be able to look at the world and see that it's patently unfair and that it's cruel and that terrible things are going on. All the time, like it's a pretty facile observation that the world is fucked. You know, the question is like, why should we continue to maintain our standards as like good people, as kind people, when other people are so unkind? That's a really big question. So, when I met Keith Richards and Mick Jagger and Ron Wood from the Rolling Stones, they were so cool to me, and it made me feel like a million bucks. So, if some like young person is like got a question for me or something like that. I like to give him some time and I like to like do what I'm not saying I'm Keith Richards or or I am on a level with those guys. Well,
1: Keith Richards is also not you so.
0: And he's not me. <laughs> I mean, who knows if he even has a cat? I don't know. Do he you know? Doesn't. He probably Screw doesn't. He you the internet cat. Richards. The hell sure. with the hell with Keith Richards.
1: I actually wanted to ask you about a quote that you gave in 2016 about art and music, and it really resonated with me. You said, if something is really dark, it should offer some sort of emotional or philosophical consolation. Music should show that life is worth living. Yes. That last sentence, as someone who, again, had a uh, angst-ridden teenhood, right, music was the thing that kept me going a lot of days. You know, I had my Discman and I had my headphones and I had my CDs. Um, And I think that's something so many people can relate to. But then for you, as someone who is the person who makes the music, for whom people can turn to when their life doesn't feel worth living, are cats a thing that that do that for you?
0: Yes. Yes. Undoubtedly, yeah. Gus was my first cat. Right. And he's huge. Like, he could um, stand on his hind legs and... Like, put his gigantic paws, like, easily up on the kitchen counter. Mm. And um, and he wasn't, like, a particularly friendly cat, you know. He was a lout, and he loved me. You know what I mean? And um, if I laid down on the couch or on the bed, he would come and like, what my wife and I call, like, the nook. And he liked the same side. He liked my right side. He would just crawl right into my nook. And his body was so big. And um, there's a lot of kinds of love in this world you know there's this big like zoo of love and the cats really are their own kind in their own kind of category you know they they love you or they don't love you you know they they very much like stick to their own terms i mean i, I last night i was out seeing my friend blake morgan play and um, you know we said good night and um, i was like downtown i don't get to be downtown that often and um just like looking at some other bars, you know, maybe have like a nightcap by myself, you know, just be like the solo guy drinking a beer someplace, you know, you know, have my guitar and uh, I was maybe just sit somewhere and play or something. And and like all of a sudden I was like, the cats. <laughs> 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 oh, my God, <laughs> they're going to be wondering where I am. And I like <laughs> hurried on to the you know, I was like, ah! and I just went home straight home and I fed them and was like, hi, guys, you guys OK? <laughs> <laughs> they make you a better person.
1: Yeah, they do. You're a very prolific writer. I've read that you keep notebooks. Yeah. And you're, you're one of those people who does the pages every morning, which is...
0: I got to say, to be fully honest, I don't always do that. But
1: I think it's safe to say you're a prolific writer. Yeah. Um, how do you ignore your inner critic and just let yourself write? And do your cats help you with that process?
0: My cats are a pain in the ass when I'm trying to write. Okay. Like, they'll step on the notebook. You know, They don't help at all. Um, but they, they do help in that if I'm... Totally dry, to just describe what they're doing.
1: Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're blocked, you can just describe the cat. Yeah,
0: I, you know, you just got to keep your hand moving. Like, I make a living writing. Mm-hmm. And 99% of what I write is absolute schlock. Is like, I hate myself, I suck, why am I doing this? You have to keep your hand moving. Just write, like, a certain amount of pages. Like, um, the morning pages thing is, like, three pages. I find that to be a great increment. Sometimes I cheat and I just use a smaller notebook. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love
1: that. Yeah, yeah. That's do, great. You know
0: what I mean? If that's what you need to do, then that's what you need to do. Look, one one of the things like life has taught me is to like trust your process, you know. Writing two princes screwed me up for a long time. How come? Because every time I sat down to write, I was like, in my head I had like the president of my record company and all kinds of like influences in my head talking, being like, okay, is this the next two princes? And you can't write that way. You have, when you sit down to write, you have to give yourself permission to write the worst piece of shit anybody ever wrote ever. And like, I think I've written some stuff that's really, really beautiful, but I never try to do that. What I try to do is just like, I want to write like viscerally and I want to say things in a way that that I would say them. And in a way that, like, people might think I'm crazy, but that's courageous. A lot of times, like, I start out, like, I suck, this dumb, why am I doing this? I hate myself. Then I get into the, like, the sunflowers of never are drowning in my yesterday. And then, like, I kind of start cooking somewhere in the third page, and I write, like, a decent, like, the last paragraph is, like, <laughs> is like or the second last paragraph is pretty cool, and then I'm like, oh, I'm running out of space, and I'm like, oh, I'm running out of space, so I better wrap this up. What happens is, if you go through my notebooks from Pocketful of Kryptonite, there's a lot of pocket stuff. You, know, you I was just thinking about pockets? I was thinking about pockets, and it was like, <laughs> I used to be like, oh, I'm so limited. Like, the only metaphor I can come up with is a pocket metaphor. And um, I was in Amsterdam at the Vincent van Gogh Museum, a noted cat guy. Yes, indeed. And um, so I'm on this one floor, and there's, you know, this ochre and green painting in that typical strong brushstroke. I'm like, you know, what's that? And I look, and the little plaques it's called undergrowth mm. and then i look at the next one which is a similar painting and it says undergrowth and the, i look <laughs> i turn and in this one room there's 18 paintings called undergrowth and i was like that motherfucker <laughs> Obviously, spent like some time yeah, being like yeah. obsessed with undergrowth. I'm sure they would be very expensive paintings because sure. it's Vincent Van Gogh. But nobody's like, oh, his undergrowth period. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that to me was like, oh man. You know, sometimes I'll go through my notebooks and rather than be like, uh, all I could think about was pockets, all I could write about was the sky. Or now I'm like, I trust that. Yeah. I know it's. I know that it's going somewhere. Turns out, in in the pocket full of kryptonite era, you know. A pocket thing was a very successful, it worked. It worked. you know, thing.
1: Conclude. I want to share a story with you that I think you may know, but if you don't, you'll appreciate it. While I was researching today's cat quiz, I knew nothing about ceramics until like, <laughs> like a week ago. Um, n- nothing, nothing I'm just at all. psyched about this. Thing I didn't you know did. the difference between. I thought ceramics and pottery were the same, but pottery is just clay. It turns out. So I've learned a lot, uh, and I, I thank you for that. Um,
0: <laughs> Anytime.
1: But I found out that Picasso uh, taught himself how to make ceramics in the last two decades of his life. He was just like he went to France and he saw people making ceramics and was like, that looks cool. I want to do it. But Picasso sucked at ceramics for a very long time. He just kept making them. Um, And I was looking at this website that had a bunch of pictures. And I burst out laughing because some of them looked like, honestly, my four-year-old might have made them. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um,
1: And and it's, you, you know, you talked about how two princes kind of fucked you up. I mean, imagine being Picasso... At the end of, you know, the last two decades of your life, you've made such incredible paintings. But you're like, you know what? I think I'm going to suck at ceramics for a while. Yeah. And he did it for two decades. And, yeah, I yeah. And, and you know, as he progressed, I, I I mean, again, I spent a lot of time looking through these pictures just delighted with sort of the evolution and the creativity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was something really cool and inspiring about that to me yeah. that that reminded me of you and thank and of, you of what, wow <laughs> well I mean, I mean truly I mean because because it, it's easy to quit it's easy to stop yeah, yeah yeah and we have this idea that creativity is a line and you get your start and you keep going and hopefully you get a peak and if you're lucky you get a second but then there's a decline and you stop and your best days are always either behind you or ahead of you mm. and um I don't know. I love that Picasso didn't look at it that way. He just no. wanted to make.
0: That's the wrong, to it. the wrong way to look at it. It's the
1: wrong way to look at it. But it's such yeah. an easy trap to fall into. Isn't it is it? a
0: very easy trap to fall into, and I have wallowed in that trap at times in my life. And that story, it, it gets me in so many different ways. Every ten years, I completely revamp my guitar playing. And a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to learn to finger pick, and you know, I had to sit there. I have to wait till my wife's not in the house because I'm I'm like <laughs> bong,
1: you don't want her to hear it.
0: Ding, gah, and I'm playing the same like six notes over and over again, like that slow, slowing things down until until you can pick it up and 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 play it fast. But it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of just embracing the work. You know, like there's chatter, like your ego and your mind will like try to, like the cat, the The cat of your mind will crawl across the notebook of your heart, and you'll be like, damn, this cat is in my way. But, you know, my teacher Woody talks about the chatter. So the chatter... Is like a cigarette craving, you know what I mean? If you can get through that, (laughs) you can get through that. Like I, they they say a craving lasts like three minutes, you know. So if you can get through that three minutes, so the, the chatter lasts about eight minutes, and it's like you're playing this thing and you're playing it super slow. It's not music, you know. You have to remember, like some of some of the stuff that you're doing isn't gonna be art. It's the art of the art, right? The art to the art, you know. So like practicing can be really boring and your head will be like i should have been doing this 10 years ago you know what <laughs> yes. i mean i oh, totally yes. suck yes. W- is like would would Ingve malmstein have to do this like would all these other people who i admire like they probably never had to do this and and if you just keep going all of a sudden that goes away That's i mean beautiful um can i just say one more yo, thing about the ceramics
1: do. please do um
0: doing ceramics really helped me out with writing because when i went to bennington and i was studying ceramics there it was like we were just grinding stuff out and you were learning new things so you sucked at it so a lot of stuff you were just like making it and while it was still wet you're just throwing it back into the clay thing you weren't even firing it but then you'd make stuff and um there'd be a bubble in it and it would blow up or somebody else would like not wedge their clay enough and their thing would blow up and it would blow your thing up or like
1: actual explosion explosions, explosions. Oh, okay, yeah yeah, okay. yeah in
0: the kiln so it was like all about just bulk it was like don't be attached to just like throw a pot oh that fell apart just Take it off, throw that in the in the wet clay, throw it again. And it was like that really helped me to think about writing and just mm. being like, write it, throw it away, write it, forget it, write it, write it, write, 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 write. And just like don't be precious about it. And then when you write something good, you know. You know it's good because you get an electric feeling in your toes. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. The hair stands up on your arm. So
1: I think the lesson that we've learned, honestly, you got to set aside the cat that's trying to uh, crawl on the notebook of your of your heart yeah. and, uh, and just get the work done. And then when you're done, go back to the cat. Go and back pat to the it. cat. Yeah. It'll still be there. Um, what would you like to say to Marley and Ruthie Toots who are listening at home?
0: Be good cats. Get along. Don't fight. And I'll be home soon.
1: That's wonderful. And I love you. is now time for our shout out and our shout out today goes to bella in florida she's a four-year-old orange female tabby which i'm told is rare most orange tabbies are male bella was diagnosed unfortunately with stage four kidney failure earlier this year uh, and her person wrote in to say that she's helped her through tremendous hardships and has this message for bella Bella, I love you. Thank you. I wish more than anything that you could live forever. You can have as many treats and as much shoulder time as you want until you cross the Rainbow Bridge. So thank you for sharing Bella's story. We are sending a lot of love to Bella Bella and to Bella's person in Florida. Um, I hope you can feel that coming from our microphones right now. So, Chris, if uh, people would like to keep up with you on the Internet get the latest. I know you. Uh, when this airs, this will be shortly before you embark on some live tour dates on the West Coast. Uh, if people want to get all that information, where can they go to find it?
0: I am um, at the Chris Barron on Twitter and I'm at the Chris Barron underscore on Instagram because somebody, somebody, somebody it. It. <laughs> in Jakarta like threw me off the internet for a couple of days and yep. stole my handle. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm I, but if you, I'm at the Chris Barron on, on all the social media.
1: And we are of course at LTAC Pod on all the social platforms. Thank you all so much much for listening. I am Mary. My cat is Grendel. Our producer is the alternarock Rock anthem Lizzie Jacobs. Our theme song is by Poingley with additional music by the English Muffins and our show logo is created by Julia Emiliani. That's all for now and I'll talk to you next time about cats.